The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media Inc. or The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transformed their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning, I'm Kelly Scanlon, president of Thinking Bigger Business Media and your host for Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. This is a new show at Blog Talk Radio. I'm really excited to be able to bring this to you because I've been broadcasting it live through local radio in Kansas City for more than 10 years. And we've brought our local listeners back home in Kansas City, some big names like Susie Welch, Stephen Covey, a lot of different business experts, business owners who have grown their businesses to help you as you try to take your business to the next level. And that's what this show is about. We're going to be bringing on some of the most successful business owners that we can. Uh, We're going to get into their heads. We're going to find out what drives them, and we're going to share their secrets to success with you. And we're also going to bring in some of the best business minds, some of the best business experts, best-selling business authors who are going to be able to provide you with tips and insights to grow your business to that next level and to help you think bigger, whether it's how to grow so that you can add employees, whether it's to grow your bottom line. You know, it's not enough to grow that top line. You've got to grow the bottom line. And also just to think differently. Think about how you can streamline your processes, what might be a growth market for you. All of those things are what Thinking Bigger is about. And we're here to bring you some of the best minds in the country to help you with that. Before we get started with our first guest today, we have a gem. I want to uh, let you know about a couple of people that we're actually bringing to Kansas City coming up in a couple of weeks. They're part of our Thinking Bigger speaker series. Uh, We have Jeff Hoffman. Some of you may know him. He's a member of the founding executive team of Priceline.com. He's going to be here with us in Kansas City on Wednesday, April the 18th, for a luncheon program. He's currently the CEO of Color Jar, which works with startups, and uh, helps. he helps them. He's taken so many companies from concept to IPO. You're going to learn a lot from him if you can join us in Kansas City on April the 18th. And then on April the 20th, we have Heather Lutz coming on in. She is the author of Thumbonomics. She's also a an online marketing expert, social media expert. You're going to learn a lot uh, from her. She works with uh, Tony Robbins and shares the stage with him at some of his business mastery events. So a lot to learn from her as well. You can go to our website at ithinkbigger.com, find out information about all of those uh, upcoming events, including the two uh, that are coming up in a couple of weeks, and we hope that you can join us. Now, as I said, we bring some of the best minds in the country to our radio program. And today, we're very fortunate to have Robert Miles. He's an internationally acclaimed keynote presenter, an author, and he's a distinguished authority on Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway. He's the author of several books about Warren Buffett, all authorized by Warren Buffett, by the way. Uh, His most recent one is called The Warren Buffett CEO, and in that, he shares secrets from the Berkshire Hathaway managers, the people who ran the companies that Berkshire Hathaway has 
purchased. And you're going to hear about Warren Buffett's philosophies with those managers uh, during this radio program. But he's also the host of the Buffett CEO Talk video series. He's the founder and host of the Value Investor Conference, which is held immediately before the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting each year. And in 2011, Bob began teaching a graduate executive MBA course at the University of Nebraska in Omaha called The Genius of Warren Buffett, The Science of Investing and the Art of Managing. So welcome to the show today, Bob. So welcome to the show today, Bob. Well, thanks for inviting me, Kelly. Well, we're very happy to have you here and gain some insight. But first, I think, you know, we're all dying to know, how did you get to know Warren Buffett? Well, um, he wanted a stock tip, so he called me one day. <laughs> uh, I uh, became a shareholder in 19, end of 1995, beginning of 1996, when the A shares, uh, then trading at $30,000 a share, were split. Um, 30 to 1, so they uh, B shares became available for $1,000 a share. So I bought in and flew out to the annual meeting in Omaha, Nebraska, and um, I was just blown away and uh, met Warren for the first time, actually, at the Dairy Queen, which he had re- recently <laughs> purchased. Wow. Wow. And that is some annual meeting. I mean, they get, what, 37,000 shareholders out there every year? How does he do that year after year? Well, I think the people are drawn to Omaha, Nebraska, because on the first Saturday of May, he affectionately calls it, Kelly, the Woodstock of capitalism. And people come from all over the world and... I believe they come like I do because he's one of the few financiers in the world who speaks the truth. So it's a free financial education for shareholders, and each shareholder can bring three guests. Mm -hmm. Uh, So your listeners and your readers, Kelly, uh, should they want to attend the meeting, it's as easy as finding one B shareholder for now $80 a share, and they can invite three. And you'll hear the truth. Warren will say Wall Street is the legal pickpocket for the average investor. Wall Street will sell you anything you're willing to buy. So you'll hear things that you're not reading or hearing uh, anywhere else. And that that's very attractive to people who are just used to the same old, uh, same old story coming out of the media day after day, and and to hear somebody really cut to the chase like that has to be refreshing. In addition to uh, all the various management principles that we know, and you write about in your books, uh, you know that has made him so successful. And, and that's where I want to go next. You talk about some of the strategies that he uses, and there's three in particular that he uses every day that keeps him on top of his game. Can you talk about those for us, please? Well, these are three. uh, I think what you're referring to is what three things does he do every day that your listeners and readers can do every day? Absolutely. Stay sharp. So every day he jumps on the treadmill for an hour Uh, usually watches television early in the morning, so he exercises for one hour every day. Then every day 
he reads in order to keep his uh, mind sharp, his linguistic skills and memory are second to none, even at 81 years old. And he is addicted to bridge. To bridge? To bridge, which keeps his quantitative mind sharp. Um, He says that any young person who doesn't learn how to play bridge is making a mistake. And he jokingly says he wouldn't mind going to prison as long as you can guarantee him three other cellmates who know how to play bridge (laughs) relatively well. So, so he you, plays online. He plays uh-huh. uh, uh, at least 12 hours a week, and he'll sometimes play to the wee early hours in the morning. Mm-hmm. So when you say that these are practical strategies, practical things that he does every day to stay on top of his game, we're talking about a well-balanced approach. We're talking about uh, keeping your physical uh, health intact. We're talking about taking the time to keep your mind um, abreast of everything that's going on. He takes the time to read. And then he also, the bridge, I mean, as funny as it sounds, seriously, you know, that keeps him mentally sharp. Uh, there is a certain way of thinking when you play certain kinds of games like bridge. And so it's a, it's a well-rounded approach that he takes then. And that's what you're saying. It's sometimes business owners get so immersed in their day-to-day business that they they don't take the time to work on the things that keep you sharp. Exactly. And bridge in particular is a game of probability. So that transfers over into business in terms of figuring out risks that you're taking and the probability of loss and these huge insurance risks that he has to figure out every day in terms of what premium he's going to charge in order to guarantee that Alex Rodriguez isn't going to be injured playing baseball. Absolutely. So now Warren Buffett has actually, uh, in in a way, he's endorsed your books. Um, he's mentioned them in the annual report. Is that correct? Uh, he did. He has. Yeah. And and so you've you've had all this access to him, and then so uh, tell tell us a little bit about what readers of your books would find in those. Well, uh, the first book that I wrote, 101 Reasons uh, to Own His Company, actually started as a blog uh, with no intention of writing a book. Uh-huh. So it just kind of uh, became a book. And there you could learn insights into his genius in creating this company called Berkshire Hathaway and all the things that he's done that are somewhat the opposite of what Uh, most of American business engages in. He only pays himself $100,000 a year. He's never issued stock options. He um, wrote an owner's manual before he asked uh, shareholders to become shareholders. He said, here's a manual that you should read, and if you agree with the principles in it, then you should consider owning our stock. So things like that I point out. The second book is uh, the Warren Buffett CEO is really 20 biographies of men and women who have sold their businesses to Warren and continue to work for him, um, including um, Kansas City-based Healthsburg Diamonds uh, is included in the book. Barnett Healthsburg, yes. Yes, and 
um, also, and the story of uh, Barnett Heldsberg selling his business to Warren. And then the third book is more about Buffett, the investor, in terms of how he selects stocks and manages his portfolio, which is different than how most other participants of the stock market operate. So you've written these three books on him. Obviously, you were blogging about him because one of them turned one of your blog turned into one of the books. Uh, and Warren Buffett himself has um, endorsed the books. Uh, what, after studying Warren Buffett all these years, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned from him? Well, um, it's probably well, undoubtedly, it's character. Mm-hmm. Um, one CEO said that character is like oxygen. If you don't have it, nothing else matters. Oh, that's and so true. I usually end my presentations with a, an anonymous quote that was once written, that a man of genius is admired, a man of power is feared, a man of wealth is envied, but it is only a man of character who can be trusted. And I think Warren is trusted, obviously, by over 270,000 employees and over 400,000 shareholders. And has the ear of the President of the United States. I mean, the President yes. calls him for advice and he visits the White House and the President calls on him for what he thinks is going on with the economy. Absolutely. We all know that he, as you said, he's a man of great character, but he's also an investment legend. Uh, I mean, that's just an understatement. What what do you think is his greatest management accomplishment? Well, undoubtedly, Kelly, it's the fact that he's built this enterprise called Berkshire Hathaway, which used to be a small business. In 1965, when he took over management, of Berkshire Hathaway, it had $40 million in sales and about $1 million in earnings. And he's now grown that into the seventh largest enterprise in the United States uh, with about $10 billion in earnings and um, about $145 billion in sales. So his greatest management legacy is that with all the acquisitions he's made and all the CEOs that work for him, he has never lost one in 47 years now in counting to a competitor. How no he... other conglomerate can say that. No and other ab- CEO can say that. Yes, you're absolutely right. And And what is it? What what is it in his philosophy, in his in his the way he works and manages, that has created that? What what is I, I'm tempted to say what is his secret, but uh, what 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 is what is it that he does that that keeps everybody um, together like that, and that keeps the um, Berkshire Hathaway group uh, as successful as it is? Well, uh, contrary to the huge ego of most. CEOs that admire an entrepreneur such as one of your listeners or readers 
and buys their company and then proceeds to drive them out of the business by telling them what to do, even though they admired them before Mm -hmm. they bought them. Mm -hmm. So they want to impart their ego and culture on this new business that they've acquired instead of doing what Warren does, which is to forget that he bought them and to suggest to Heltzberg Diamonds that they forget they sold the business and to continue to run that as they ran it for three generations before Barnett Heltzberg sold it to Berkshire Hathaway. And what great insight. No meetings. No meetings, no budgets. uh, No requirements to call Warren. Uh, You just simply send him a monthly balance sheet and earning statement Mm-hmm. and any major capital expense um, that you're going to uh, encounter in the forthcoming year. And, and again, like you said earlier, you know how that just flies in the face of what, what is generally practiced and I have seen over and over again among some of the entrepreneurs even here locally who sell their businesses. They might have an agreement to stay with the company for a year, three years, whatever it might be, and undoubtedly most of them leave before that time is up because it's not the same company anymore and the, it, it's just not a fit any longer and they just can't work together. So, so what an anomaly that is that is, that he's been able to do that. Um, you mentioned heroes, and you mentioned people that you admire, um, that other that they admire, but does Warren Buffett himself have any heroes? Uh, certainly. Um, he His hero was first his father, um, who was a congressman representing Omaha, Nebraska, and Warren spent part of his childhood his youth in Washington, D.C., as his father uh, served in Congress. Uh, Secondly, it was his college professor, Benjamin Graham, who taught him uh, some very valuable principles of investing uh, that he still uses today. And lastly, it's his uh, late wife, Susie Buffett, who uh, really, um, he gives her a lot of credit for him becoming the person that he's become. You mentioned his college professor, Ben Graham. What were some of the practical tips that he gave Warren Buffett about investing? Well, the three things that Warren always points out to college students each year, he meets with um, over 35 colleges each year who send up to 20 students to Omaha to meet with him throughout the year. He says, Number one, Graham said, remember that stocks are not symbols or electronic bleeps on your computer screen, but are pieces of a business. Mm -hmm. So stocks are businesses, number one. Uh, They're not something to be traded or flipped. Uh, Secondly, um, when you're investing in the stock market, you have a partner who's manic-depressed and Graham called him Mr. Market. And when he's manic, he wants twice as much as what you think the business is worth. And then six months later, he might be very depressed, and then he only wants half as much as what you think it's worth. So Graham said, and Warren 
often says that Mr. Market should be your servant, not your master. 95% of the participants in the stock market are manic when Mr. Market's manic and depressed when Mr. Market's depressed. Buffett does the opposite. Yes. And then the last thing is that you should always invest with a margin of safety, that you should only buy dollars when they're selling for 50 cents. And it's that discount to value that Warren is always focused on whenever he makes an investment. Well, um, there, you mentioned earlier that he's 81 years old, and much has been discussed, talked about in terms of a successor. Do you think there's ever going to be another Warren Buffett? Uh, no, there won't. Well, you know, there's not going to be another Leonardo da Vinci or... You know, there's not going to be another Mozart. Uh, Warren is a genius and is gifted in uh, skills and IQ that is going to be very difficult to um, see again. Uh, therefore, his job is going to be split into three parts, and I do think uh, three individuals, in summary, can meet or exceed what Warren has created. Um, very much like Walt Disney or Sam mm -hmm. Walton, uh, Warren will, Berkshire Hathaway upon his passing, he jokingly says he's going to retire five years after his death. <laughs> uh, but when he does retire, um, there'll be a non-executive chairman to keep the culture in place of Berkshire Hathaway, most likely his oldest son, Howard Buffett, Mm -hmm. um, his job is just to keep the family, business, culture in place with no meetings, no budgets, no divisions, no vice presidents. Um, then his job will be further split by a CEO in charge of operations or the other CEOs. Mm -hmm. Their job will be to keep the other CEOs happy, and Warren will measure that CEO's success by if he or she, too, can say they've never lost a CEO to a competing enterprise. Not surprising, yeah. And then the third uh, component of his job will be a CIO or a CEO in charge of capital operations allocating the uh, 60 or 70 million dollars a day that is flowing into Omaha, Nebraska, into um, other investments. Yeah, I any one of those jobs just huge, and the fact that they're all wrapped up in one man right now again just amazing. And you, you so aptly um, put him in the company of so many greats. But it's it's easy to see why. Does he ever talk about his legacy? What does he want it to be? Well. His uh, name is not on any foundation. Um, he cites the architect of London who built St. Paul's Cathedral. Uh, on his epitaph, uh, Christopher Wren wrote, and Warren would like on his epitaph as well, if you seek my monument, look around you. And that would be the very legacy that Warren would like. He doesn't yeah. want some big building named after him or some big foundation. 
He just wants uh, people to look around at all the businesses, employment that he's created and continues to create, or actually the small business entrepreneurs who've created the business are the ones who've created the employment. Right. It's a living Um, monument. Yes. And an ongoing one. Yes, absolutely. If there was, and maybe there's not, but if there was one piece of advice that you believe our growth-minded small business listeners, readers, could take from what Warren Buffett does, what what has made Warren Buffett successful, what would you tell them to do, advise them to do? Um, he would say, my guess is, he would say focus on your business. Act as if your business is the – in fact, he tells his managers that after they sell their business to him. Act as if this is the only asset you and your family will have and care for that and nurture it and develop it. And that's what his advice would be. Bob, Plus, thank he you. would say to his – and he said to his son, um, he would say to any young person, it takes a lifetime to build a reputation and only five minutes to ruin it. And if you think about that, you might do things differently. So true. Very true. I know that we could talk a lot longer. Our time is up, though, and I really appreciate you being here today. If somebody wanted to get a copy of your book, where could they go to get that? It's on Amazon. And I'm also uh, teaching a course now on the life of Warren Buffett at the University of Nebraska at Omaha each spring and fall. And uh, the last course uh, that I spoke at or taught, uh, Warren uh, treated all the students to lunch. Oh, my. I can guarantee that. <laughs> uh, but that uh, may be of interest to your readers and listeners as well. And that's called sure. The Genius of Warren Buffett. The Genius University of Warren Buffett. Okay, so the you University can... of Nebraska at Omaha. All right, so you can get your books at Amazon.com, and you're also teaching a class at the University of Nebraska in Omaha on the life of Warren Buffett. Um, would you have a website that people can go to find out about you and all of the things that you're doing? Yes, uh, Robert P. Miles. Uh, com. All right. Again, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it, Robert. Thank you, Kelly. Okay, if you are interested, again, in purchasing Robert Miles' book, you can go out to Amazon.com and look that up. And then you also, if you want to find out more about Robert himself, RobertPMiles.com. Perhaps some of you want to just learn more about what he does. Uh, perhaps you might even want to bring him in as a speaker for your company or for some event that you have, RobertPMiles.com. And then as we conclude today, a reminder again that we have two Speaking events, speaker series events coming up in two weeks, April 18th and April the 20th. We're bringing in Jeff Hoffman, a member of the founding executive team of Priceline.com, on Wednesday, April 18th to Kansas City. And also on Friday, April the 20th, Heather Lutz, the author of Thumbonomics and a social media marketing expert. We hope you can uh, come to Kansas City and take part in both of those events. You can go online at ithinkbigger.com and register for those. They will also be 
our guests on our show next Friday. So you'll get a sneak peek of what they're going to be talking about at the Speaker Series on the 18th and on the 20th of April. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Have a great week, and we'll be back with you next Friday. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.